0: Well, last week just goes to show that in the AFL, if you're slightly off your game, you're going to get a thumping. This week we talk about the thumping delivered to us by the Doggies, cover all the week's AFL news, and preview what is shaping to be a massive match against the Little Cousins. And to the poor drunk up in Clarkson's face, mate, you're a flog. This is Crocast. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again tonight, Uh, guys, on Crowcast. um, Not the best uh, show to follow the weekend, but uh, nonetheless, we'll have a chat about the Bulldogs' uh, debacle um, and, more importantly, talk about the uh, huge game this week against uh, the Little Cousins down the road. Uh, With me tonight, it's a fairly small panel this week. Uh, So we have Nikki. How are you going, Nikki? I'm going well. And we have Waffle, who's still tired from making a 5 1 post today. Hagar, hey, mate. I'm sensational. <laughs> <You> sound it.
1: <laughs> we might have to carry him through the rest of the podcast. He may not last.
0: Uh, just keep taking that cough medicine, mate. You'll be all right. It's not cough medicine. Oh, it's just trying to be kind to you. I know. All right. So uh, we may as well uh, get on with the show. So without any further ado, here's Nicky with Nicky's News. Say I
1: No, the ladder's no longer looking as good as we uh, liked it the last couple of weeks, and I'd have to suggest that was pretty much a tipping nightmare for the entire weekend. Uh, if anybody yeah, I got hasn't, five. yeah, I got five too. If anybody hasn't seen them, get a uh, get a chance to have a look at Jack Loney's um, goals from St Kilda on the weekend. There was a couple of absolute rippers that um, he did. I really enjoyed watching um, the St Kilda Carlton game. So. We'll start off with the, the normal thing, the injuries. So Brisbane Maguire McGuire has received a knock to the head and he'll have to pass a concussion test and Merritt still has some hamstring issues. Uh, for Carlton Troy, Menzel's going to have a test on his calf. Collingwood. So Dane Swan's wandering around with a moon boot, but it's only to rest his ankle. Um, they, they're saying he's still going to be right. Darcy Moore, his hamstring um, is out this week. But still awaiting scan results. And Ben Kennedy was ill last week in the VFL, but he should write to continue playing in the VFL this weekend. Now, Gold him. No. Um,. Gold Coast is interesting. So Swallow's scans have revealed a strain to his right PCL and he'll be sidelined for a minimum of eight to ten weeks. Nick Malceski is going to miss two weeks due to knee soreness and Sam Day will miss four to six weeks with the dislocated elbow. So the Q Clash uh, kind of wasn't looking an interesting um, game to begin with. Is looking even worse.
2: Do they have tops, Nicky?
1: Oh, they may need them. So GWS, uh Palmer is going to be out for six weeks after hurting his shoulder when he ran into Dion Prestia. That's a very solid little body to run into. Uh, but no surgery is required. Um, interesting. So the Hawthorne, Lake's going to miss four weeks with a medial ligament strain. That wasn't nice to see live happen. Uh, Puopolo and Shields should be available though. So for Port, Gray's going to be assessed Polak's being managed with an ankle issue, hence the um, moon boot he's wearing and not a lot of training. Uh, Stewart got concussed in the SNFL and have to go through the required tests. And for Richmond, Grimes and Conker are going to be available and Newman – and Chaplin will be tested to see if they're available. Uh, Richmond's got a fairly hefty um, injury list, so I think they'll be very pleased to have a couple of players coming back. In the reports, it was a stingy week for the AFL. They only collected uh, six grand in fines from the melee at the Essendon-Collingwood game. So it was Marley Williams, Jack Frost, and Jackson Ramsey from Collingwood, and Joe Danaher from Essendon. Um, All of them were cited for first offences for engaging in a melee, so they all copped um, the 1,500 no, the $1,000 reduced down. Uh, Nick Nat has accepted his charge of tripping Jack Redden, so he just got a $1,000 fine. And DeBoer from the Dockers was charged with striking um, Swans' Harry Cunningham. It was graded as careless contact with low-impact Cunningham's head and another, and that's another $1,000 sanction with an early guilty plea. Now, this is the interesting thing that's come out today on Tuesday with um, Colin Sylvia. So first it came out that it's revealed that Ross Lyon hadn't been talking with him since he was sent back to train and play entirely with Peel Thunder until he brought himself up to AFL standards. Um, Lyons was asked if Sylvia was a slow learner and his response was, that seems to be the case. Um, And now it pretty much appears it was too hard for Colin to get to a required AFL level and he and Fremantle have agreed to part ways immediately. Um, And also for Frio, Crowley's Crowley's hearing has been postponed to the 18th of May at Asada's request for more time to respond to requests made on Crowley's behalf. Um, So he will actually come over to appear himself and Fremantle are what is it, they said they're, they're sending um, a representative to assist him as well at the hearing.
0: I'm surprised that they agree to that, Freo, or or the people working for Crowley because if it comes up, um, you know, in, in Crowley's favour, then they're actually delaying his return to football.
1: They are, but if the, the requests have been put in on his behalf to try and help him um, in his case, so if they need, more time to look it up than I suppose they need more time.
0: But isn't it Asada that's requesting?
1: It they have and the AFL has agreed to it. Yeah, so okay. it's their yeah, it's their tribunal. So, the sub rule is still hanging around in the news is will they, won't they? Um, told Goldstein was reported today to be in favour of getting rid of it because he said um, it's been detrimental for young Ruckman because if you had that extra one on the bench, um, some young Ruckman could be able to come in and um, get a taste for the AFL. As he said, his experience was invaluable has made him a better Ruckman because he was able to come in earlier and understand that the pace of the game, the step up from the VFL to the AFL was a huge leap and what he had to go on and work with to become um, a good player at AFL level. And the other big thing that really came out was to do with supporters invading the space and privacy of footballers and football coaches. So, of course, there's the Clarkson Issue that happened over here in Adelaide. But there's also a video of an Essendon fan abusing Chris Judd, who was at a cafe. Um, and Judd has put an article out today regarding it. Um, it's very interesting. He raises the point that of. The on, of the onlookers present, one of them called the police, whilst another filmed it and sold the footage to Channel Seven for a considerable sum, reported to be a couple of thousand dollars. Um, Judd said that he'd asked the guy why he was filming it at the time, and the response he received was in case there was an assault, so there would be evidence. Um, it seems that evidence will cost money, um, and so this what, is
0: Channel Seven are wrong for paying oh, for that.
1: Yep, this is what um, – so the Channel 7 has twice paid for footage and sensationalized it, so they they paid for that footage and I think they also paid for the, the footage um, from the Adelaide um, idiot. I think this is the best way to describe him. Now, I'm a little bit disappointed with a lot of the media because they've been trying to sensationalize it. Now, Clarkson does have form. He does have a temper. From what I saw and what I understand, I thought he was actually quite restrained and it could have been an awful lot worse. Um,
0: Carolyn Wilson shits me in this conversation. I I haven't heard uh, what she said. Uh, I mean, she's basically come out and and you know listed Clarkson's prior history and all the rest of it and tried to hook it into this and you know talking about one punch you know issues and all that sort of stuff. I mean, he didn't punch him; he pushed him pretty forcefully. The guy was in his face. The guy was I leaning.
1: Mean, the guy was actually yeah. leaning on him. He he was fully, and he'd been told a number of times, no, and um, yelling into his ear yeah. for God's sakes. Yeah, um, he's there's. He put out a statement last night um, where he's kind of talked a little bit more about it and said having been confronted and threatened by a group of intoxicated men and after politely asking several times for some space I regret that I pushed away one particular individual while the behavior of the group was antagonistic aggressive and completely unwarranted I wish that I had continued to walk away and removed myself from the situation it's really hard to judge um until you're in that situation of, of what's happening from I think even somebody of his caliber who's played the game and was kind of a fairly hard player, that would still be kind of an intimidating aspect to be in because you know you don't want to retaliate, but these people are still coming at you and coming at you. So, yeah, there just needs to be respect. But when people are drunk, and that's unfortunately things like this happen.
0: Well, like Jodie said, it – he basically, In Judd's situation, he basically couldn't do anything until he, he himself was assaulted, and to me that's ridiculous. If someone's shaping up to you or, in Clarkson's case, in your face, I think you're quite entitled to protect your own personal space, particularly when they're pissed um, and a potential threat. You know, I, I don't see anything at all wrong with what Clarkson did.
1: No, and I'm one of the first ones who kind of doesn't condone the violence or anything else, but I have been in situations and it is particularly different being female. We I've had males invade my space and it's an incredibly scary situation that you just trying, you want to try and get out of. And so you're still trying to be friendly in a way so that you don't aggravate it anymore. And of course that makes them think they can step even closer. So you're, you're in a real catch 22 and a lot of people will freeze up and you're, brain does different things when you're scared or intimidated, so it's...
0: Well, not only that, Clarkson had just been involved in a two-hour pressure filled contest, you know, I mean, it's a massive ask to suggest that he should be of a calm mind at that particular moment, you know, what was it, maybe 45 minutes after the game?
1: Yeah, it wasn't long after the game at all. Um, He said there'd been some nice banter, on the way over, um, with port supporters and things like that over the bridge, you know, that that's, you know, friendly and everything else. So, yeah. Um, there was also another stupid person at the football who opened their mouth and didn't think. It was 3OW breakfast host John Burns. He decided to call uh, Bacahooley a terrorist while sitting in a um, in the crowd at the MCG on Friday night. It was heard by a Richmond staff member sitting in front of him. They'd actually just both of them been in the Olympic room behind, which was um, a Richmond um, function was on, which John Burns had been invited to. He went out during the game, made this comment, uh, Richmond has accepted his apology, which was to the staff member for being offended. Um, just a little hint, John Burns, that's not what you do for an apology. And he also apologised to Richmond, the club. Interesting, he th- hasn't actually apologised to Bacahooli, the person he actually called a terrorist. Um, so, yeah. Alleg-
0: allegedly. And well, I've got a bit of a problem with this because if the Richmond staff member was so offended... Why did he not say anything to Burns at the time?
1: Well, that's the thing is if you're in that kind of situation, some you can hear something quite shocking. The, the other week when I was at the SNFL, there were some really incredibly shocking things being said by an opposition SNFL supporter. And at the time I thought, do I actually get up and say something? Because there's kids around and everything else, and that language is just not appropriate and it shouldn't be appropriate. But I was quite um you know I didn't know because they would see me going up and do it is that going to put myself in um a position where I could be vulnerable that they're going to turn on me so I can understand that them being actually shocked and not quite you know do I do it now what do I do how do I get around this so I I can understand being being in shock and and not actually saying hey don't say that
0: from what I understand, though, it was a quiet conversation with his mate. Uh, it was clearly a piss take. Oh, I think it's a bit precious. I uh, really do. I think it's precious. He's
1: changed his story a couple of times, though. So I'm not, because he's, he's immediately said no, he said no, it wasn't him. Um, then he changed it another little way. Then he's changed it another little way. So I'm, because he kept changing it that little bit, once more stuff was coming out, any kind of did – I'm a bit more disbelieving of his side of the story because that has changed a number of times.
0: Yeah, but he didn't yell it out. He was talking to his mate next to him.
1: You still don't do it though. Oh, still look, stupid.
0: I, I, see, I disagree. I, I think I think this is going overboard. Like if he had yelled out at Hooley and – and called him a name and vilified him, then, yeah, absolutely, he should get chucked out. But are we just going a bit overboard when we, I mean, we've all made inappropriate jokes in our lives. And he said it to his mate next to him, the guy in front of him overheard it. If it was me and I was genuinely offended as the person in front, I would have turned around and told him to shut up. I wouldn't have waited until the end of the game and then reported him to Richmond officials or to the AFL or, or wherever it went. I don't think he reported it to Richmond. I think he reported it to the AFL. To me, that's sensationalizing something that could have been dealt within 38 seconds.
1: But we're going back to what you said about Barkson, that you can't really put yourself in that situation. You don't know how you're going to react. This is a similar kind of thing. So the, but the, there was no threat. No threat, but there are issues at the moment regarding people who are Muslim, being called terrorists, and all those other issues. So I, I can understand why the Richmond um, staff member was offended because I, w- I would be. Um, but to end on um, a, oh, I lost my word.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it when we argue.
1: Yeah, no, it's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, because otherwise it'd be boring for everybody to listen to. You've got to have different points yeah. of view.
0: Bloody waffle sits on the fence.
1: <laughs>
2: he, he I does. like sitting on the
0: fence, it, but it hurts my ass.
1: <laughs> I've sat on the fence at Central Park. It's yeah, at New York. I was
2: I was waiting for an outtake then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. I sat
2: on the ice. Could have been the ice skates.
1: Ooh. Back to the news. Um, Friday night, we're going to see Mick Malthouse, who's going to break Jock McHale's coaching record when he coaches his 715th game as a senior coach. So he's got a fair record. Yeah. there's some talk around, you know, this might be his last season with what's going on, but that's one hell of an achievement.
0: Well, theoretically, he broke it last week. Yeah, true. And other yeah. news,
2: Nikki. Yes. Uh, how about the lights going out in our SAFL game?
1: Oh, my God, that was so funny because I was there when it happened. It was just – it was actually hilarious because that's all you can do with it, put –
2: the scoreboard still work though.
1: Yeah. The little electronic scoreboard, that was the only thing that worked. So what actually happened was uh, ball was loose in the center square. We just um, tied the scores up. We were running all over the top of them and the ball's loose. There's a Glenelg heading towards it. Callan is coming in. He's, Just before the lights go out, his leg goes back to kick the ball and the lights go out. Um, As Cullinan himself said, he's really pleased he didn't kick the guy's head off because he couldn't see where he was. He had no idea and he was in the action of the swing. So lights go off. Whole crowd goes um, quite animated, a bit more than they had for most of the game. The lights then started to come back on. You could see all the other power go up. The guy managed to get on the announcement to tell us all to kindly remain seated. As Soon as he finished the word seated, lights went out again. And we're all sitting there going, okay, I don't think this game's going to maybe go on for a little while. Um, it was kind of funny seeing the huddles all come together. You just kind of had to peer through the dark. Okay, I think that's Golanel, and that's us over there, and people using the torches on their mobile phone. The teams did attempt to go for a bit of a run, and then I think they took them back into the rooms. So the rules actually are, I think it's they've got half an hour to get the lights back up again if the lights don't um, come on. Then the game is called off and the scores remain as it is. The crowd was quite funny uh, with some of the comments, particularly including the ones of what Glenelg um, are willing to do to ensure they get some points finally. Um, I did like the suggestion that they could have played an epic game of murder in the dark to decide who won. I I thought that would be a good one. But I think the best thing was a couple of guys who went out onto the field using their phones was attempting to have a kick to kick. It kind of wasn't that successful from what I gather, but it was still kind of funny to sit there and watch.
2: Would have been even funnier if they played Baby when the lights go out by five as people were leaving their stadium.
1: I did like that when because um, a couple we just kind of sat around for a while. A woman from the bar comes up. She goes, "Do you, do you guys know what's going on?" The whole crowd goes, "No," she goes, are you being sarcastic I was all. Well, no, we just know the lights are out. But what else is happening? She said, "Well, they've they've called the game off." And one of the other guys and stuff said, so is there free beer in the bar? And the response was yes, but we can't pour it. So we didn't quite figure out that they need the electricity to get the beer taps to work. So no free beer, unfortunately. But, yeah, so that was kind of funny.
0: Did they ever work out how it happened? I didn't hear how it actually happened.
1: It was something to do with the junction box. Um, It was actually took out quite a bit of, I think it was Glenelg, Glenelg South and the SNFL rang um, SA Power Networks uh, pretty quickly to find out what was going on. They said, "Yep, there's an issue with the junction box. They can't get anybody there to help and it's unlikely to be fixed until midnight. So the SNFL, I think, got back in touch and said, yep, call the game off because, you know, why hang around? It's just, yeah, that's not going to work. But once again, we lost a couple of players early on in the game. Osborne got a knock to the head, um, which I kind of noticed him being a bit groggy uh, about. He went off and was never seen again. So that really um, mucked us up for relief for um, our ranks. So we had to use Mott. Um, He would have to swap from um, the forwards where he was playing up into the um, the ruck to to give some relief ruck going on. And then, of course, Kerridge got a knock to the back of his, uh, just above his knee, his left leg. So, obviously, I kind of saw that, um, him coming off and being looked at and thought, yep, that's a corky. And on a night like this, they're not going to risk him. So, yep. So, we only had one on the bench for pretty much the majority of the game.
2: Question really, Frio Nicky. Um, what was Colin Sylvia retiring from?
1: The AFL, but the interesting thing is, I'm not too sure whether he's going to continue playing with Peel Thunder, who is aligned with Fremantle, or you know, is he going to another team? Uh,
2: they'd be hoping he played for him because I don't think he's
0: played AFL football for the past two or three years. No, no I think he played one game, didn't he, for Frio.
1: No, he played played a couple of games, but I'm trying to remember what it was that I read today. But I think it was just, it was like six or something. Not very many at all.
2: He's playing in the pub.
1: Yeah, it was interesting the wording that he um, wasn't in a fit state to um, play AFL um, when he came back from the preseason. So, yes, I think he'd been enjoying his uh, time off and wasn't willing to train hard by the sounds of it.
0: Yeah, it sounds like he was uh, just over there for the for the last contract, the retirement.
1: Yeah, he was picked up as a free agent, so and there were always nice little contracts normally.
0: 1.2 mil, I believe.
1: That would be very handy.
0: So we haven't had any injury news out of the Crows this week, which kind of surprises me considering we looked pretty sore.
1: It could just be general soreness all over. Um, yeah, that game was... The first, the first kind of bit where I was watching it just the ball. It was one of those games where the ball wasn't bouncing our way. And when that happens at the start, you go, oh, this, this might be a long day. And, yeah, it got even longer. But, yeah, there were a whole couple of players that I'm just – I was very disappointed in.
0: Well, Tex looks sore. Danger looks sore. Brody Smith doesn't look with it. Um, we all look slow. Richie Douglas – could hardly chase halfway through the first quarter. It it was amazing how how heavy-legged we looked in that game. And I know you look that way when you're chasing, but we we just seemed completely off the pace.
1: And how bad were some of those kicks from from some people we know are very good kicks in in Walker and Smith? They were just shocking.
0: Yeah, so I, I wondered whether you'd picked up or heard or had seen any sort of injury report from the club um, before we move into the actual pre- uh, review of that game. Well,
1: we know um, we know that Sloan was rested last week from one of the training sessions and at the coaching clinic he said that he was quite sore um, from tech, the game against Melbourne.
0: Yeah, Tex was managed too last week.
1: Yeah, so I wonder whether there were some knocks happened, so whether it was just general soreness and more
0: managing, but yeah, we did look very tired. I still reckon Texas Texas having a problem with that knee.
2: Hopefully uh, none of the boys got hypothermia jumping off the jetty.
1: Now, did they actually jump off the jetty? Has that been confirmed or not?
0: No, they had a 5 a.m. beach swim.
1: Ah, that's what they had instead.
0: So no shark bites?
1: There's always sharks. It's Adelaide.
2: They're in the ground usually.
1: No they're, <laughs> no, they're mostly bronze whalers and grey nurses out there. <laughs> they're friendly little sharks.
0: Yeah, we had a bronze out my way the other day. A helicopter flying around.
1: Like, just let it be.
0: So, any other news, Nick?
1: Nope, that was the main stuff.
0: Well, thanks very much. That was very informative. You're welcome. Very polite.
1: My mother taught me well. (laughs) She'll be pleased to hear that.
0: I'm cutting it out. You can't (laughs) give a shout-out like that. Uh Okay, moving along now, we've got the, um, I'm going to call it pleasure, but not really pleasure, in um, sifting through the rubble of last week's demolition from the dogs. Um, Interested to hear both of you guys' thoughts on what the hell happened.
1: We were crap.
0: Just not switched on from the first bounce. We just didn't seem with it.
1: Yeah, I agree with that totally. It was like, what's this game called football? Um, Apparently we're supposed to be playing it.
0: Just from the first bounce, and and you kind of had that false hope after halftime they might bounce back like a couple of the other games during the during the weekend, and they just got <laughs> slaughtered.
1: They got worse. To be fair, I for me, Thompson was at least still trying. Um, out of the midfield, I think I think the midfield was the one that really really killed us. Um, there was a couple of the defensive guys I thought well, we know there's one who didn't, but a couple of the others had. Some decent games, you know, they were still trying and I think they could slightly hold their heads up above the rest of their teammates. Um, My concern is Talia needs to learn when he's being pulled completely away from the play and being taken out of it. So Bulldogs had their plan, they did it, they executed it perfectly and he had no way of getting around it.
2: Someone was like... um saying about their frantic running, well, we're trained to be able to go with them for as long as they can. They shouldn't be able to do that for four quarters straight and just leave egg on our face. It was just embarrassing.
1: We actually did have a couple of nice runs and movements and things like this, but the head disposal just let us down. There were just some shocking kicks, as we said before. You know, there were moments early on where we could, um, I thought, yep, we this, this could be the little turning point that we needed, but disposal was just appalling, really.
0: And not only that, one thing I noticed that the bullies did really well, and um, Melbourne did it to a degree too last week, teens have clearly worked out that Walsh likes using the corridor. Um, and they, uh, there was a couple of chop-outs last week against Melbourne in the wet and again against the bullies. They were very good at clogging up that space through the middle. Um, and I can recall at least two turnover goals that resulted from from that that part of the ground. It just seems to me if we don't have that little chip kick into the centre square from half back, we do struggle and we tend to just be very one-dimensional. So I wonder what he's going to do about that.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see um, what's going to come of it. I think it was part way through... The third quarter, I was actually looking forward, um, considering that do I start doing my uni work right now? It's like, no, I actually have to sit through and watch the rest of this. And as it got closer and closer to the end, and they're really getting habit, it's like, you know what? I'm actually kind of happy that this has happened because they've been coasting, they've been on top. Um, this is a real kick in the pants. I want to see what reaction it's going to get. This is where we find out. And I also think it was in a way while she got to see from the coaching point of view in our coaching box, what happens, what was going wrong, what was his line coaches doing to try and fix it. So in a way it's, I don't know, people are going to hate hearing this and it's a, a craggy thing. It was a learning experience, but I think it's a good one to have because, you know, he's only a couple of games into his senior coaching role he would have seen it from the line coach's point of view, but to witness it as him, the manager, I, I think it it was horrible, but it was, you know, I, I can find a positive out of it in a way.
2: I did. My four-year-old saying at three-quarter time, go Crows. I said, yes, we're going to the slaughter.
0: Aww. I think it was also um, good for Walsh himself as a coach because, um, you know, pretty much everything's gone his way since he took over. He's been able to set an agenda. He's been able to talk the talk. He's had a bit to say about various issues. And, you know, I think um, as much as I don't think he's necessarily one to get ahead of himself too much, I think it might just have refocused him as well in terms of where we're at. You know, 3Zip was always um, uh, a bit of a smokescreen in my view. Um... And hopefully it just, it just you know, pulls them up and gets them refocused um, to understand that, you know, it's, we're playing the long game and there's still a hell of a lot to work on.
1: Yeah, a bit like Blighty after we lost the very first showdown. He just walked into the room and wrote up on the board the number of games left. That's all that really mattered.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was and the other so- thing with Walsh, sorry, going on
2: It was certainly a leveller and a wake-up call, and uh, I'm sure Walshie would have... Certainly given the boys a dressing gown after the game and said there's a long way to go. Three good games doesn't make a season, lads.
1: I actually like the vision of him going down that bit early on the bench and he's sitting next to Tex and he's got the little sheet and as I said, there probably wouldn't be pretty numbers in there. And so he's having a chat with Tex. Okay, you're my captain. This is what we could be. I need you to go and talk to the boys. And so there's that nice, you can see the coach, that captain, that delegation of, you know, this is part of why you're – um, the captain and and we've got to you know sort something out and try and get a response here. Very interesting though. At the start of the game, when they came back into the before the game started, they're in the little huddle. Thompson was the one who was doing the talking, and Texas nodding his head to go along. So you can. There was a little bit, you can see the example of the the share of the load that's going on there. Um, I was very disappointed in Sloan. I thought Danger actually at least tried. Um, He had to go back to his inside game because the others weren't doing it.
0: Yeah, I I don't think Sloan was right. Um,
1: No, he got got a couple of heavy hits.
0: Yeah, and he he did get that crack from um, Bernie the week before. So, you know, you don't know. One thing that I noticed from Walsh as well is he made a couple of positional moves, but tactically we didn't really change it up. He was, he seemed, and I will give him the benefit of the doubt that there is a plan B and C, but he seemed quite happy to let us live and die by the sword rather than flood back. Like we didn't flood back, we didn't change anything up in the middle. Um, we changed one or two matchups, and that was about it, really.
1: Well, then do you put a theory on it that after what happened with Port and the Hawthorne game that he kind of, you could see that this just flow just wasn't working, it wasn't our game. Okay, so I'm just going to do this stuff. Let's see how they respond, but they might it might be good for them to get the kick up the pants. So going into the showdown, uh, Port's on a high, we're on a low, there's got to be one hell of a response hopefully, to come from the boys. Uh,
0: I don't know whether you'd mess with form and results like that. I mean, I know he hasn't got his eye on any particular grand prize this year. No. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the one thing that Clarkson did versus versus Port Adelaide was flood the back lines. He had um, about 10 down there at one Rioli. stage.
1: It was the at the, end of the third quarter, it was Rioli. Pure, purely and simply being at the game, Rioli got him back in the game. That – That kid's amazing.
0: Yeah, he's a freak. Uh, You know, I mean, and they've done without him for a good portion of their premiership years as well. This is scary.
1: Yeah, it was also um, because I was at the Port Hawthorne game. It was, I was quite interested in watching Mitchell and Hodge. And so often you would see Hodge in the back line and he'd do the one kick. And from then on, he virtually was dictating, even though other players were kicking it, he was telling them where to go. So he really. Yeah, just watching that general on the ground and their little structures, and yeah, Clarkson did change it up a little bit, but he but he had to because he had no he had no lake and yeah, three Yeah, but I mean,
0: uh, I mean, you could argue that we had no lake either because Hardigan was getting soundly beaten by Stringer. Um, I'm surprised they didn't put a couple back. And the other thing that I noticed, we didn't seem to be running off the back of the square at centre bounces as much as what we have in the past.
1: No, I noticed that as well. We did it a little bit, I think, in the first quarter, but I hardly noticed it after. I think there was um, a bit in the third, but that was really all I noticed.
2: Yeah, I saw Eddie do it a couple of times in the third, and that was all I noticed as well.
1: Oh, and incidentally, we do that in the SNFL as well, because um, they did that quite a number of times um, against Cornell.
0: Yeah, I'm just surprised that he didn't start a couple of half back um as I said that strategically we didn't seem to change much he was very slow in changing the uh Talia Hardigan matchups and he didn't really want to sit on um Bob Murphy either I mean he put McKay on him but that's hardly a blanket you'd expect Van berlo or someone to go on to on to Murphy, but they seem quite content to let Murphy cut us up as well.
1: Uh, There was a couple of some really nice team blocks to get Murphy free as well. So the Bulldogs were working hard to get him free, and and so credit goes to them. They, They played awesomely well. But the interesting thing is they got absolutely spanked the week beforehand. So I'm just hoping we have a similar performance to them this week.
0: Well, it makes you wonder with the style of games that are being played this year where whether teams are going to have that hit-the-wall game because it's been frenetic. I mean, everyone's playing really fast, attacking football, even Fremantle, who are not renowned for it, um, and you just wonder whether training loads are going to play a part and whether you know teams are just going to have that flat week every now and again.
1: And it's proof that you only just have to be a slight percentage off and you get hammered. I think the team's, it is quite a close season and anything can happen as this weekend proved.
0: So there's been a a debate raging on the forum with regards to Scotty Thompson. Have you guys seen that?
1: I did, and what gets me is everybody suggests Matt Crouch, but he's a mini Tomo. He doesn't defensively run. Um, He resulted on Friday night, he directly, his not chasing and letting his other teammates do it, and, oh, you go get him, resulted in the goal to Glenelg. So you're just replacing him with a younger, less experienced version of himself. And Tomo was the one I think was the only one who could actually hold his head up pretty much after the Bulldogs game.
0: Well, I don't know. I'd be interested because the debate really is, does Thompson change our midfield structure? Ellis Yolman still seemed relatively productive, um, although his contested possession count was down a little bit. He Douglas took a bit to get
1: into it. I did yeah. notice that. He was quite early, but then he he did really get into it.
0: Um, Douglas wasn't really cited to any great extent. Sloaney was quiet, danger played a lot up forward. Um, you know, I I I'm on the fence about this. I'm I'm doing a waffle. Um Because I'm not sure, I can see people's point where they say that Scotty Thompson in the team changes our midfield dynamic. And a lot of Scott's possessions, his kicks in particular, are ineffective.
2: Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I'm not on the fence about McKay. I just don't understand how two weeks ago he's played the game of his life and then he puts in a performance like this. Like... I couldn't see anything he was doing off the ball was productive. I wasn't impressed at all. He just became my whipping boy again. Like all I remember was doing was whispering under my breath of giving him abuse.
1: Uh, being on the wing as opposed to playing in the back lines. It was back to playing in the back lines. Different Did we role. have a back
2: line? Did we have a back line on Sunday?
1: Oh, I think Brown. Uh, Yench had some um, good stuff in particular. Sure Larry did it right. Yeah, Larry did it right. Except they keep trying to. hit What is it with people trying to hit him in the head? Well, actually, not trying to succeeding and hitting him in the head. Um, I don't know why they do, but they do it a lot. Um, Talia was unsighted, but Boyd was pulling him out to to keep him away, um, which of course isolated Stringer and left Hardigan to, and nobody was coming over to help Hardigan.
2: Can we please ban Yenshi from taking kick-ins after a
0: bind? Yeah, he's right halfback flank every freaking time.
1: Hey, but that's weird because earlier in the season he was actually mixing it up. He was kicking it down centre. He was doing some short ones and I'm pretty sure he was doing out to the left as well. So whether that's him or whether that's dictated by everybody, how everybody else is lining up and that's the only option he's actually got.
0: I was interested in um, Jumbo Prince's post um, from – his view behind the goals because he, he attended the game. And I must admit that the few times they did show behind the goals when we were kicking out, we don't seem to take the first option kicking out. Uh, he seemed to ignore three or four opportunities to, to short it out or, or to hit hit a bloke, um, on the fat side of the ground. And he just seemed to look and look and look and no, oh, yeah, then I'll just kick it to myself and kick it out to the right half back flank. It, it was very 2014 and not anywhere near what we've been doing in the past nice. three weeks.
1: Went back into their shells, second-guessing themselves, didn't want to make a mistake. Um, and when you do that, you you hesitate. You don't take that first option instinctively. You you don't back yourself in.
2: It could be in the ball drop too, Phoenix. Nikki, what do you reckon about the ball drop? <laughs> I'm
1: Has he got it, a problem? Wait, I'm leaving that one. We're <laughs> alone. You guys can talk about the ball drop.
0: Look, oh, I'd rather talk about Jenkins. He's my whipping boy and I've been, whipping very boy. Rest- I've been restrained, but by freaking Christ. Uh, Give a contest. Just,
1: he did in the last quarter. He actually took a contested mark and I saw it and I'm like, oh, Phoenix isn't going to be happy.
0: I'll tell you something that he did and I tried to find it in the replay and I couldn't find it. Um but he he did a spoil he was third man up and did a spoil out near the um uh, the boundary on the wing it was either in the th- I think it was in the third quarter and it was the most uncoordinated windmill swing at a ball he wasn't even look he was actually looking behind himself when he made contact with the ball it, it was almost like he had to grit his teeth and really force himself to get involved in that contest because he knew he had no choice, but he really didn't want to.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, I think there's very few players that could that that entire game. It was I guess just something was up. It was like, yeah, I, I can't explain it. <laughs> you can probably understand from the way I'm waffling on here. Waffle.
0: But the, the problem with Jenkins is that it, we don't have a bailout up forward our bailout is bloody Eddie Betts, which is <laughs> completely completely wrong, and we don't have a tall marking option up forward when we just have to bang it in high and long. You know, Texas leading up, Eddie's supposed to be crub- crumbing. Lynchy's not a marking forward. We need Jenkins to be there providing an option, and he's just never there.
1: Now. Did Jumbo Prince at all talk about leads from text? Because I don't think he was actually leading um, a lot like we've used to seeing him doing. He was trying to body. And um, it was just so wrong. It's like if he was leading, why, why or were we not honoring those leads? Because it's a bit hard to tell watching on the, the vision.
0: Well, the other thing too I think that that ties into what I was saying earlier about us not using the corridor, not being allowed to use the corridor, is that we were forced wide at half forward. Um, and, of course, once once that space is closed down because because of the way teams press these days, that becomes very crowded. You don't have that wide open forward line to kick into that you would if you're coming through the middle of the ground. You know, you're coming in slow via the wing and you've got a very confined space. There's not a lot of option to lead. And I think Tech struggles in that situation and that's where we need Jenkins to really stand up.
2: So do we um, unleash O'Brien in the showdown and give uh, Jenkins the stern word to play in the seconds and a bit of a back-to-earth sort of call?
1: Jenkins has one advantage over O'Brien. He can actually kick for goal.
0: if it were me, given our lack of tall options, I would do what Western Bulldogs did to us last week. I'd play small in the forward lines and I would completely change up our structure. I, I, I would not yeah. be trying to hit a marking target. I'd be opening it up and trying to get them over the back because they do run forward at the ball port.
1: Yeah, and interestingly, being at the game, um, they tired 10 minutes to go into the third quarter. They just could not run in the last quarter at all. Um, I was just sitting there going, "They're actually looking unfit," which is complete contrast to what we've been told a lot as to, to how much they run and everything else. But Hawthorne with two only available on the but running over the top of them in the last quarter.
0: I'll be very interested to see if if Walsh plays a different structure because if it were me, as I said, I, I'd be trying to get them on the on the on the slingshot. I don't think we can run and gun them. I think we have to try and absorb their, their run and try to clog up space and leave our forward line relatively open and and try to run goals in rather than rely on Tex kicking a bag when he's clearly not right. And, you know, they've got Carlisle and Trengove and all that back there. We don't have the marking strength up forward to, to go that way.
1: And it's going to be... I mean, it's not raining on Sunday, but there, I think there's a rain forecast for Saturday as well. So the ground's going to be that little bit heavier. Um, they're still going to have, have that little bit of slip and slide that that's going to be around. So I think that's going to play into the, if you go a little bit smaller.
2: And having another sports game played there the day before, uh, the ground's going to be hopefully in a respectable shape come Sunday afternoon.
1: Well, it's Friday night that the soccer's on. So it's, it's got a one day to recover and a bit.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a problem going forward, I think.
2: Yeah. You, you can't.
0: Just, go ahead. Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, you can't program uh, a major sporting contest two days out and expect the ground to come up. you just it's not going to happen. No.
2: Especially when they've got a stadium to play it at already and they're just pandering to the Football Federation
1: uh, in- it's not is- Adelaide United's choice. They would prefer not to be playing at Adelaide Oval. Their fans would prefer to not be playing at Adelaide Oval. The players would prefer to not be playing at Adelaide Oval. It is the Football Federation who, because we've got thirty three thousand earlier in the season, they want to give they want more people to turn up to watch um Adelaide United play in their only final in Adelaide That will occur this season.
0: And, not- you know that's fine. And they'll get their forty five thousand, but how about Football Federation invest in either expanding the capacity of Hindmarsh, or chipping in some dollars um, to the redevelopment of Adelaide Oval?
1: Yeah, I agree. They should actually be expanding Hindmarsh because Adelaide United are taking off really nicely, and and that is that's a good stadium, and in fact that surface is is. When they're allowed on it, is one of the best. Um, they talk about in this for soccer um, in the country. So why wouldn't you be playing it um, it out there?
2: I remember the days of High Marsh Stadium being just a walk around, and it wasn't seated, and you just walk around the ov- around the stadium like
0: it was just your local oval.
1: It's a bit different now. <laughs>
0: There's other options that they could that they could um, you know pursue, but at the end of the day, if if they're not going to like you know, I can understand they want to maximise their crowd and all the rest of it, and the SMA need the income, blah blah blah, all of that. But if the FFA want to take advantage of our stadium, which is the main reason they're playing there, then come to the table, put some dollars down. You know, it, it just seems a bit cynical to me to come with a with a handout saying, well, you know, this is a national competition and it's gonna be forty thousand and we want your stadium and blah 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 and you know, come in through the back door. Yeah, well, well, a,
1: we're going to a, agree.
0: Yes, it's a big
2: fish, little fish thing, I think, Phoenix. Yeah, Did the, you say we're agreeing Nick?
1: We are agreeing.
0: Oh I'll change my mind then.
1: <laughs> is the world ending?
0: <laughs> we do agree on something.
1: Yeah, we do. Every so often. Just just to shock people.
0: So anyway, any, anything else we can drag out of that schmozzle or is that pretty much it?
1: <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. We've already started talking about next week a little bit anyhow, so we should probably head over and start talking about next week.
2: Oh, I've been seeing on Fox and hearing Gary Lyon giving our coach a hard time. doesn't impress me much that he just gets into him whenever he can sink the boot in.
1: I think that's more to do with the fact that comments he made regarding um, certain tactics that were employed by Melbourne and poor Gary can't handle anybody talking badly about his beloved team.
0: Yeah, getting a bit precious, I think. Oh, he's always been precious. Oh, my leg.
1: (laughs) That's okay. That's the one funny thing to come out of the footy show.
0: Yeah, and even that's been done to death now. Very true okay well that was uh, the wrap up of last weekend's disaster um and i think uh hopefully the crows will do what we're about to do and wrap it up put it in a box and never speak of it again so thanks guys and um yeah, yeah we'll move on Okay, obviously, it's a massive week this week in South Australian footy. Um, the first genuine showdown of the year. Um, two teams, by and large, up and running. Um, you know, despite last week's uh, effort by the Crows, we've been in reasonably good form um, and the power seemed to be hitting their straps. So, hopefully, uh, the weather stays reasonable and um, we can have a good game. What do we think, guys?
1: It was very interesting being at. Um the port game um, and, and watching them play because they just could not do anything wrong in that first quarter. There were just some amazing, amazing goals being kicked and, you know, they, and they were running hard. Um, I think that they were helped by the loss of Lake because that really did throw Hawthorne um, in sixes and sevens and couldn't quite cope with their taller um, players. So it's going to be interesting to see what we do in response to the fact that there often is Schultz, rider and Westolph in their forward line, um, as to whether is there going to be a chance that Lever comes in because we really don't have anybody else and we might need some height.
2: Well, Phil said wholesale changes, so the Fulcrum might get a run. I'd personally love to see him get a run, but is he ready come a showdown?
1: I think he would grab it with both hands.
0: Is he physically ready though? I, I don't know. I mean, they're big boys that you're talking about there, and I know he's a competitive bugger, but um, has he got the physical capability? Uh, the, the one that we need back is Cheney. I yeah, don't know whether Shane. he's in line, but I assume he's coming back.
1: Uh, yes, there was a report today that he should be right to go. There will just be a test for him, and if so, he's, yeah, he should. if he passes the test, which they're anticipating that he will, then he should come in.
0: Yeah, Cheney gives us a bit of a chop out, something that Henderson doesn't doesn't give us. Henderson's all right coming out, but he certainly doesn't uh, read the play well enough to um, you know, be that man coming over the top of the marking contest.
1: No, we we really did miss Cheney um last week. <laughs> well and truly missed him. I I think he would definitely be an in. Um Lever was interesting on Friday night Uh, first I was quite scathing of him with how much space he was giving Alloway but Alloway is a huge huge man so I can understand why he was actually being smart enough to not engage he didn't uh, want to get get, squashed yeah well no he doesn't want to get into like a a battle of strength because he knows he can't win so he was backing off so he could come in and and run and punch and he's got a really good timing on his um, his punch but he was just giving him a little bit too much space for my liking so if he did he would come in, I think, as that third tall, or he may even come in and replace Henderson kind of role.
2: I'd give him uh, Alloway as much space as he likes in case he passes wind.
1: Oh no! He actually he played he played quite well all the way on the weekend, so we'll, we'll give him some credit there. But yeah, Lever I was very impressed with his game, um, except for just being that little too far away, um, in the wet to to make the punch effectively. But I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of weeks he actually gets a run at the AFL uh, in the AFL side at some stage.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Henderson will not give us what we need out there, so I wouldn't mind betting that they actually try Henderson um, up forward uh, this week as a bit of a leader.
1: Yeah, well, they did that in the third quarter, but we just couldn't get it down there um, against the Bulldogs. So that that was an option that we've obviously been training, or some such, or that he's been training. So they wouldn't have run with it. I don't think, unless there was a little bit of form to do with it. So that's another. Yeah, that is a possibility.
0: And then we've got Source coming up against two fantastic ruckmen as well. And it's going to take Jenkins to really put his man pants on and play a decent game of bloody football.
1: Can he needs to have a man conversation with him?
0: He needs his balls to drop. That's what he needs, Nicky.
1: Okay.
0: I think mine just dropped tonight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, does that, that may explain the voice.
0: Yeah, I thought you dropped an octave or two. I'm knocking
2: like King Khan's Phoenix. Betty Day, besides. Oh,
0: no, I'm just really not going there.
1: <laughs> so do we think there's actually going to be any changes in the midfield? Or are they going to actually pull their finger out?
0: Uh, what's the kedge looking like? He 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 rejagged something, didn't he?
1: No, he got a corky. So he got a knock and it was um, just above the back of the knee. Um and so yeah, so it's in that little soft tissue bit on a, on a cold wet night. Yeah, it was a decent old knock on that. He just started limping straight away. Um he there was play was still going on around him. So he was trying to cover, but he just couldn't run, came off straight away. They kind of looked at it and yeah, he was, I think they iced it. Well, they actually wouldn't have had to ice it. They just had to leave it out there in the cold would have been probably about the same temperature. Um, so I think that was more of a, yeah, Corky like that. You're not going to trust him. So he may have to have another run in the NFL.
0: Yeah, that's a pity. Um, What do we do in the midfield? I don't know whether we've got too many options. I don't know whether Crouch comes in for a showdown. Um, I mean, neither Grieg nor Lyons. I mean, Lyons has done okay when he's been subbed on, but uh, I think we have to go with who we've got and just put in a better effort. Back him in.
1: Yeah, um, I kind of agree with that. I do think our, our back line wasn't so bad. Hopefully, whatever, um, Brodie Smith has finally figured out how to kick a football this week because that would be handy on the wing.
0: Yeah, hopefully Brody's shaken off the effects of that concussion that he obviously had. Because mm-hmm. even he looked slow against the bullies. Uh, he, he couldn't run anyone down. And it was actually watching him and Douglas run that made me think that there was some sort of training load issue or, you know, just a, a general flatness through the squad that week because Brody would normally not look slow in any game, but he looked slow.
1: And Eddie Head is a hard deck as well.
0: Bloody car park underneath. There's
1: a car park underneath um, Adelaide Oval too.
2: Yes, but we know how to lay grass over here in Adelaide, unlike Melbourne.
1: Oh, don't tell them that. So the forward line, so you think Henderson might come play forward. Uh, Any other changes? Do you think Charlie might be coming back or – because it, it, it wasn't too bad in the
2: NFL.
0: Well, the reason I think they put Henderson up forward is because I think Jenkins will have to do a lot more ruck work. And if Walsh, it, well, this is just my opinion, but if Walsh has got half a brain, he won't try and play them at their own game. So we're going to have to go smaller in the forward line. And if it's going to be damp, that's just another reason um, to go smaller in the forward lines, so I wouldn't mind betting Charlie comes back in. Um, certainly Wright isn't, I mean, Wright might have a defensive role that we're not aware of, but you you, you need to get a goal out of your forwards and, and Wright doesn't look like it from that point of view.
1: No, he's been playing um, higher up the ground a lot more. Um, I think previously when he's played forward, he's he has been that little bit closer to goal at times and he's got a decent kick on him. Um, so we do know he can kick goals, but, yeah, I agree with you on that that point. That he's um, not been as productive as we're used to seeing.
0: Where do we play VB?
1: That's well, the interesting I've, one.
0: I, I think VB runs with either Ebert or um, Boak.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a good. He is a good matchup on them, and we know he's played well. And he was actually one who was okay last week
0: there's been a few criticisms of VB from the board, but my personal view is he's done quite well. And I think uh, given Port's midfield strength, I think um, we, we can afford to have a run with on one of those two blokes um, just to try and equalise the contest in the middle.
1: Now, one of the interesting things I found at the the Hawthorne-Port um, game was that Port obviously hadn't done their research on a lot of the Hawthorne players, I mean, you've got left footers who bark near the boundary line. So they come and corral and, and hold the space in, like protecting the middle of the ground. They would just give them free run to directly run past them along the boundary line, use their left foot kick into perfect position into the forward line. So I think Port are vulnerable. Um, I also think the way watching them tire and Hawthorne didn't take their chances, they were still doing some Awful, awful kicks into their forward line. That if, I think if they do get ahead, if you're at three quarter time, if you're within enough of a range, I think you could overrun them.
0: There's a there's an argument to say that they had uh, Eddie had leg syndrome after their game against Kangaroos.
1: Yeah, but it was it was a it was a soft track at Adelaide Oval that often um, helps cushion your legs a bit better. Um, I think it was on any other surface then you might have a case to answer, but I don't think, yeah, Adelaide Oval, I don't think that quite works.
0: I just couldn't see Burgess not having a fit. So they're either under a heavy load or, again, it was just, you know, this cyclic thing that seems to be occurring in the AFL this year. Or
1: that everybody else kind of knows what their numbers are and they're running just as much or even more.
0: And what Walsh said was exactly right. You look slow when you're chasing um, and they certainly got, um, you know, uh, they they had to start chasing. Hawthorne had a hell of a lot of the ball on the second half or even after quarter time really but certainly up to the, after half time. Um So they did do a lot of chasing and, and yeah, you know, did. you look slow and that does wear you out as well.
1: It it was really noticeable, though, that when they had kickouts, they were all just standing there, flat-footed. Nobody wanted
2: to run.
0: Yeah, I I think the key for me, the key matchup is going to be um, the the midfield. I think if we don't get um, our fair share of clean clearances out of the mids, then we are going to get hammered.
1: When Westhoff goes through the midfield, is that when you could possibly is Henderson an option there to go with him?
2: Can he match him for leg speed though, Nicky? That's a question. Westhoff looks slow, but he's not slow.
1: No, he's not. But Henderson's not that slow either. (laughs) Um, And he's got the jump, so he can go with him in that respect. I I think that could be an interesting possibility.
0: I don't know whether Henderson's got the defensive mindset to play a run with role. Um, Who have we matched up on Henderson in the past?
1: Well West. Sorry, not Henderson, yeah. West Well often Westhoff, he's gone in as the rock. Um, but I know sometimes they kind of use him as like Hawthorne do with Roughhead, as a, a really tall midfielder. So is it Cam Ellis Yolman then, who's pretty much I think he's our tallest in our midfield guys.
0: Yeah, look, it could be Cam Ellis Yolman. Um, I guess it could be Chaney, but then you're kinda of robbing that chop out Oh. Chaney will stay me, down
2: back.
0: Yeah, you would think. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I don't know whether we've necessarily got a player for Westhoff. And it, when Westhoff's on, it doesn't seem to matter who who goes on him from any team. It, when he's on, he's just on.
1: And I hate seeing it.
0: Don't we all? I'm, I'm a Westhoff hater.
1: I, I did enjoy the port supporters around me though at the game. They, they were quite amusing. They really don't know the football rules.
2: That's when I would have done my sill pose for them, Nicky.
1: And no, what I thought was quite amusing was um the out of bounds deliberate which occurred over on the outer wing. And of course the boundary umpire had signalled to the field umpire that um, he'd basically directly handballed it out. It was Completely and utterly blatantly deliberate. And so, of course, the field umpires paid it. And the poor Boundary was copying it from the, the supporters near me the entire time. And it's just like, well, what did the Boundary do? Well, you know, he told the field umpire, but that's his job. You don't want him to do his job? So, yes, yeah, so that was that was kind of amusing. But they were, they were good. I, I did quite enjoy being at the game. I just wish Hawthorne had decided to turn up um, for most of the game. That would have been good.
0: Oh, it would have been funny if they got run over.
1: Oh, I think what is it? They were fifty-eight points up and only just won by eight points.
0: Yeah, that's right. Never tear up our top. I mean, I guess the other um, subplot to all this is Walshy coaching against um, Kenny for the first time um, with a full playbook. Um, obviously, they wouldn't have either of them wouldn't have coached to any great extent in the Nap Challenge, so. It's going to that that whole strategic and and tactical battle is going to be quite interesting, considering they're both quite well aware of each other's philosophies and you know tactics
1: and strengths and weaknesses. So, are we saying that probably the ultimate matchup or the most important one is the one between in the coach's box?
2: Yeah, battle of uh, wits, I think, between Kenny and Walshy.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's, it's just all depends on which of our team wants to turn up the 2014 one or the one that we've seen for not last week but the rest of 2015 so far.
0: Yeah, the, the, the two real points of interest um, with regards to the coaching battle is how we set up um, uh, against them and if the match is close – how we go about trying to win it, when do we
2: activate our sub if it's a tight game? That's another question
0: well, we've seen this this two phase sort of a game plan in the past. you know forget about bulldog's game for a minute, but in other games we've had you know periods of very quick movement and heavy scoring, and then other periods of slowing the game down and um you know trying to take the suck the air out of the game um and perhaps, you know, perhaps Phil didn't want to expose any of that too much last week, but, you know, I guess we give them him the benefit of the doubt, but it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, at key moments of the game, if Port get a run on or if we get a run on or if the game's tight, what those coaches do to try and, you know, nullify the other or get an advantage over the other.
1: Well, what I think from, from the way that we play, the top four sides, that we are closest to, I think, in that direction is probably Frio and Sydney. And Port don't do well against Frio and Sydney. We don't quite play like Hawthorne, which they seem to match up well on and, and seem to have a little bit of wood over. Um, so I, for me, that's kind of interesting to see if we, if we continue on that vein, that we're, we're more in line um, with those other teams. I think that could be an advantage for us in that that. Port does struggle against that type of play.
0: Yeah, uh, as long as we hurt them on the scoreboard with that because Sydney obviously have got Buddy and Tippett and Freya have got Pav up there and um, what's the other guy's name? Mundy, is it? Yeah, Mundy. Uh, Main or Mundy, one of the two. Um, you know, they've got some…
1: And Ballantyne. Who did, should be back this week, by the way. I forgot to say that in the news.
0: <laughs> and Ballantyne didn't play against Port, though, did he?
1: No, but he has worried them before.
0: yeah. So, you know, if we can play that sort of a game and hurt them on the scoreboard rather than just dominating passages of play for no real result, um, then, yeah, we're in with a good chance. But if we don't capitalise on our um, opportunities and if we kick poorly again um, and keep them in the game, um, you know, then it's really all for nothing.
1: Now, showdowns traditionally are close games though.
0: Usually, unless they're a semi-final. <laughs> For all our Port fans out there.
1: Well, that, that was close up until halftime. After halftime, it then became um, a great line of um, commentary from Tim Lane, which was some showdown after halftime. Port didn't show up.
0: A- anything else that we'd like to touch on? Um, it's an Adelaide home game, so I guess we've got the crowd advantage, um, you know, that always has an impact. The players say that they can feel the energy. Um, so that might be worth a goal. Um, uh, Really, for me, it's the midfield um, and how Source, um, you know, uh, hangs in there against Lobby and um, Ryder and whether we can convert our chances.
1: Yeah, I agree that midfield's going to be quite intriguing to to see who can pull their finger out and actually perform um, to a standard that we expect from them and that we know that they can do and should be doing consistently.
0: Yeah, that's where it'll be. One, the midfield... Okay, so are we ready to um, put our dropped balls on the line and make a prediction, guys?
1: Oh, I'm going to go with the AFL average of 19 points our way.
0: Adelaide by 10 points. Mm, yeah, no, I reckon Port by about five goals, actually. I'm not confident. But... Off my show. All right, guys. Well, thanks very much for that. That was um Uh, a really good chat about the upcoming game. Obviously, we're all very excited about it and hopefully it lives up to the hype. Hopefully, the Crows can bring their best game and uh, hopefully we can get away with a win. So, um, yeah, thanks very much.
1: It's just a bugger waiting till um, Sunday twilight for the game that you really, really,
2: really want to watch. Bloody twilight.
0: Okay, well, we don't have any board talk this week um, because we wanted to devote the show to Um, the showdown this week. Um, Board Talk will return with a special guest um, as per usual after we bask in the afterglow of a famous victory. Um, So that's pretty much it from Crowcast this week. Um, Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Nikki, for your input this week. You're welcome. And Waffle, your one-liners are always well-timed as usual and, uh, you know, very pertinent. So thanks, mate. Thanks, Phoenix.
1: I actually think he said a little bit more than one-liners this week.
0: He did, he did. It was, uh, it was, my ears almost exploded.
1: (laughs) He might have even got it to like five sentences.
0: It's been a big week for you, Waffle. Waffle's got his grumpy pants on.
1: Yeah, don't mess with Waffle.
0: Is there anything you want to say to Smoothie while you've got the floor, Waffle? No, we'll leave it at that.
1: But you made him grumpy.
0: Ridiculous statement, by the way, Smoothie, if you're listening. Anyway, we'll call it quits at that point. So, uh, again, thanks very much, guys, and um, good luck for the crows for the weekend. And uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. See ya yeah.
1: you then. Bye.
0: You've been listening to Crowcast, brought to you by Casma Event Technologies, bringing you Inexcess Tribute Band Kick. Live at the Emu Hotel, Saturday, May the 9th. We'll see you there, or we'll see you at the footy.
1: Yeah, I love numnuts.